Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week in PlayStation, we're talking about the return of the demo, Synapse on PlayStation VR 2, and our 15 most anticipated PS5 games. We'll have all this and more because this is PSI Love You XOXO. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. That's Blessing. That's Janet. I'm Greg. And you can get each and every episode of PSI Love You XOXO over on Patreon.com slash KindaFunny. There you can watch us record it live, just like CJ Splitson is, who says, I hope my first live recording isn't just going to be the trial stuff. We don't want to hear it. We're sick of hearing about Jim Ryan's goddamn emails just saying it was king or it was this many hundreds of millions of dollars. We don't care. Let's talk about some games blessing. Maybe Xbox should have bought an electric car instead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Grinning like the Cheshire cat. These are deep cut references to the news that's been happening on Games Daily. I digress. You could also get it ad free and get dozens of monthly episodes of exclusive content only on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. If you have no bucks to toss our way, no big deal. Of course, you can support us on the Epic Game Store, for, Epic Game Store Fortnite, Rocket League, or Fall Guys with the creator code kindoffunny. You can get PSI Love You XOXO for free with ads and without. The exclusive content on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Casey Andrew, Delaney Twining, James Hastings. Today we're brought to you by BetterHelp. But let's start with a PSN message from you. Janet, are you hanging in there? You have officially moved. I was heartened to see someone respond to last week's episode saying, yes. I am that person moving and listening to this show. How are you? I'm- I have been better, but I'm on my way up, <laughs> so that's good. Um, I've set up the space. The funny thing about being here is, um, like, I have a duo stream set up that I'm working on getting together. Like, just got, like, mics and headsets for it and all that stuff, and that's going to be fun and fine. But this background looks basically the same, so it really just looks like I got rid of the mirror and they just put a wall there. Yeah. And so it's like there's not a lot of visual payoff if you're watching the video version, but... Um, I no longer live next to the world's loudest dog, so that's exciting. And it's cool getting the space together, but every day I go out, and it's just like, oh, man, Like as I make more progress, there's still so much left to do. Um, And I'm scared at this point to be hopeful because, like, every few days I've been like, you know, in a few days, like, we're going to hit this milestone, and everything has always taken so much longer. I really want to say that I'll be done after this weekend, but I'm afraid to hope. You know what I mean? Mm, but I we're all the way it. up. We got we got the consoles hooked up. I could theoretically play video games. Uh, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm that, I was going to ask you, yeah, how have you been able to play anything 
No, oh, no, I, I, I was, I lied last week. I was like, oh, I'm going to come in. I'm like, I thought, see, I moved on like Saturday. And I'm like, okay, Saturday we move. Like Sunday, Monday, I like do the whole apartment. Tuesday, I play some games. I'm like, plenty of time for being so lovely. No, God, I've had like no time. I mean, I could force time, but then it just would be like, do you want to just play a game instead of work on 8 million other things? Um, so, yeah, but... This week for real, though. It's the second for real, which is the most serious statement I can give you in the audience. That's correct. That is the second most for real you can give it. Uh, Skywalk Up writes in to kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y, just like you can to be part of the show with a PSN message thought starter and says, how cool have all the free demo options been for PlayStation 5 this month? I went from not knowing what I was going to do between Zelda and Armored Core when suddenly I found Final Fantasy 16 is awesome. This viewfinder game is sick as hell. The lies of P is not lying about being good as souls being a good souls like. Suddenly the walls are closing in. I am playing Final Fantasy 16 like a madman and my wallet is sweating at the incoming damage from game purchases. I know I know demos are like this right now due to SGF, but I wish demos were available more often. And not paywall behind the Omega Premium Super PlayStation Plus tier. Blessing, how awesome is it that we're getting all these demos? I think it's, it's super awesome. Yeah, I got to check out the Liza P demo. And uh, when I first played it, I got about halfway and was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to stop there because I'm enjoying this so much that I want to save my experience of the full game. And I talked about that on the show. And then as soon as I got home, I booted up Liza P and I played the rest of the demo because it's a really good demo. And I was, I was thinking about it all the time and I couldn't stay away from it. Um, yeah, demos are awesome. I'm right there with Skywalkup that... Yeah, like when you check out a game and it's only, oh yeah, I got an hour to spare. I got 30 minutes to spare. Let me check this thing out. And it surprises you. It's such a delight, right? And that's yeah. what happens, I think, most of the time when it comes to demos like this, where the Final Fantasy 16 uh, demo went up and interest skyrocketed, uh, which was really cool to see because like we talked about it earlier this week that <laughs> sales for Final Fantasy 16 are really, really good. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 sold 3 million copies during launch week. This is George Yang at IGN.com. Final Fantasy 16 has sold over 3 million copies during its first week on sale, Square Enix has announced. Square Enix said the milestone consisted of both physical and digital sales on PlayStation 5. Physical sales for the game in the UK were reportedly 74% lower than those of its predecessor, Final Fantasy 15. Still, Final Fantasy 16 was still on top of the overall sales during its thing. The solid sales numbers should uh, be considered with a caveat. It's only available on PS5 right now. Final Fantasy 7 Remake shifted 3.5 million copies in the first three days when it launched as a PlayStation 4 exclusive in April 2020, but that was a much larger install base than the uh, PS5 currently enjoys. Yeah, and I think you saw that the, those sales up front skyrocket even more because... Yeah, that demo drove a lot of interest for 100%. a game that I think for a Final Fantasy didn't see as much like, you know, people going crazy about it until that demo came out and everybody was going crazy about it. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing. Uh, I think Steam Next Fest is also, you know, driving that as well, right, as part, as part of SGF. And so with that, you got a lot of indie games putting out demos, too, and it's cool to see Viewfinder come out and be a hit in the demo space. And I've been staying away from it because I, I want that to be fresh and I trust all the word of mouth I've been hearing about it. The one demo I will say that I tried out and was a little bit let down by was Eternites, which is a game oh. that was announced last year at a state of play. It was a very persona looking game, right? Really cool art style. 
um, you know, uh, I, I believe it's a single dev, or at least like it's led by a single dude, right? Or not that he's single, but they're single. But you know, you get what I mean, right? Uh, <laughs> Let's see how much how <laughs> can you sink in the quicksand as you fight against I, I don't it. Know. <laughs> um, Let me call. Let me get on their relationship status page. <laughs> yeah, but his whole um, whole story is that he played Persona Five, got really inspired by it, you know, left to do his own thing, and wanted to to make his own Persona type game. And from playing it, you know, I think so many of the ideas are there. I really dig the art style. I really dig the energy of it but then you know controlling it and riding the the controlling it and the riding aspects of it immediately didn't hit me and it's that question of all right is it the demo like is this gonna is this indicative of the full game or you know is this just the experience of getting a bite-sized version of this thing right and so it can work both ways but i think either way it's great for me as a consumer the fact oh, that 100%. i get to experience a thing and then make the choice on whether whether or not i want to actually purchase it and i think it'll i think for the most part, it does good for the developer, right? Because you are gonna, I think you're going to sell more units that way. Janet, are you feeling the demos? Are you excited for them? Are you happy they're back? Um, I'm glad to see them in this space. It, admittedly, kind of like Blessing's Point with Viewfinder, depending on the size of the game and if I already know about it, I'm a little less inclined to do a demo. Um, I do agree with this write-in saying that it'd be nice if it wasn't locked to the highest tier of PlayStation Plus. Of like course. when they announced that, I thought that was kind of a big L um, from both sides. Like, obviously, the, the only plus is that it, you know, bolsters the appeal of that tier, which we've already talked about, is kind of a niche tier. So it sort of, like, tosses in, like, a mass market thing. Like, hey, like, even if you don't like old games, you probably like demos. So here's something that, you know, we can offer you. Um, but holistically, I love demos as kind of what this person mentions, right? A try before you buy, a give it a shot without having any worries. Um, just being able to jump in like that is really beneficial. And I'd love to see from the console space a bigger variety and more festivities around that demo mm -hmm. kind of season. Like, I feel like we're kind of calling this out as like a demo moment for PlayStation, but like Blessing pointed out, um, Steam wow. Next Fest has been killing it like every couple of months, like one drops or like every whatever quarter. I'm not sure because I haven't. One just ended. First... <laughs> yeah. But there was one at the beginning of the year, too. Or was it maybe the same one last year? It's all blended together because I did one of them. Yeah, there was one, like, not too long ago because that's where I, like, played a bunch of games. And they have, like, they have them pretty often. Mm -hmm. um, and I finally dug into that. Though not this one, but the past one. I played for, like, I don't know, 6 or 12 hours or something just going through a bunch of demos. And I found so many games that I genuinely became interested, followed the marketing of, and now I'm going to finally play the full version. And... I really like that as a broader taste-making moment for consumers. The reason I don't go as much to the console stuff is because usually it's a game that I already kind of like know about versus like Steam Next Fest. I can go really in the weeds and be like, you know what? I've vaguely heard of Tray Racers. Let me play this. Or like, oh, this is a game where it's like a murder mystery thing. Yeah, sure. Let me cue this up and just sort of run through them. I think it also kind of adds that, um, you know, I'd love the idea of this more directly coinciding with other stuff we have going on in the main gaming space in terms of events like this sure. calls out like sgf as being kind of a thing but they're being people always talk about like the consumer facing version of things like e3 and like these other trade shows i feel like having that digital offering would be so beneficial not just to players but also maybe smaller content creators who might not be able to afford or get credentials to go to this thing For sure. they can still feel like they have that moment of coverage available to them as well my question would be pulling from uh, the PSN message and Sky walk up is I know the demos right I I know demos are like this right now due to SGF I don't buy that I don't think that's why you got a Lies of P demo I don't think that's why you got a Final Fantasy 16 demo I think mm -hmm. you got them because 
marketing is smart and if you can if you can get out there and get ahead of the message you know final fantasy 16 what i think you said or maybe it was tim today was the idea that there wasn't as much hullabaloo leading up to final fantasy 16 until that demo dropped because yeah. people have an idea of what a final fantasy is in their head and so you can hear a preview you can read a preview you can whatever but if you're a final fantasy or you're non final fantasy convert right if you don't care about it you're not looking at that reading that so to be able to drop a free demo and say no this is awesome that that's what leads to three million sales that quickly for lies of p hey we are a we're not only are we a souls like we think we're one of the better souls like we're, we're you know can compete in a way that others can't you can say that as much as you want but everybody has said that you drop a demo that can get somebody like andy on stream playing it nonstop and be like holy shit this is actually good that goes a long way and even to reach further back right like octopath traveler 2 drops a demo and the pro the save progress carries over to the main thing mm -hmm. like i wouldn't go as far to say we are in a renaissance for demos but i do think in an industry and specifically a year so crowded so jam-packed with amazing titles week after week people are seeing the value and coming out and going like you know what we got to get this in front of people and i do think to janet's point steam next fest is a different beast i would love to see that on playstation i would love to see you know they've been doing things with like you know shuhei's curated list of games you should pre-order or wish list or whatever mm -hmm. i would love it if they got so in the weeds of that of like hey we are doing PlayStation September and all these 2024 games are going to have demos. All this, then it would be the things that they made for SGF. We're just putting on the network for you to play. That would be fantastic. Mm. But I don't think this is SGF related as much as it is a bunch of games that are coming out that are good and need to spread the word that they are good. Yeah. I would say Steam Next Fest is the, is the one thing I would say is maybe adjacent to SGF, but I think it would, re it would exist regardless of SGF's existence or not, right? Like, I think the timing just works out that way, especially yeah. because developers are coming out and talking about their games right now specifically. But yeah, like, I would love to see that extend to Xbox and PlayStation. I think the thing with Steam is that Steam is where you see so many developer indie developers put out their games, at least first, because that is in a, mo a, a more accessible slash approachable platform to develop for if you're an indie developer yeah. right and so like looking through the list of i'm on pc gamer and they're talking about the best demos of uh steam next fest right and they list games like sticky business uh stray gods uh, astria uh, viewfinder steam world build uh gourd etc etc right little kitty big city and man like how many how many of those games are coming out to PlayStation, right? How many of them are coming out to Xbox? How many of them are coming out, out to Switch? The fact that all of them are coming out on PC, right, makes that makes Steam the perfect place to do something like that. I'm sure PlayStation could, but I, it might have to be different or on a smaller scale. I have to focus in on the indies that PlayStation likes to hail, or maybe they expand that program and hail up more indies, right? Like I I think there's something there, and I would love to see that uh, see that on, on the PlayStation side of things. Also, yeah. really quick, I looked it up. Um, Steam Next Fest happens three times a year, so. There you, go. there you go. There you go. Let's move on to topic of the show. Again, I don't care about Jim Ryan's email. All right. Mm. There's lots of gossip in there, but I'm sick of talking about it. Mm. And it's all Xbox news anyway. So who cares? Instead, we want to look forward to the rest of this year. Believe it or not, we are almost done with half of the year. Soon it will be July. We'll be in the second half of the year. Oh, firmly. God. Dude, it gets worse. It's flying by. Well, we had an all-hands meeting yesterday, and we were going through stuff, and somebody mentioned that, oh, in two weeks, this is happening, blah, blah, And I turned around to Roger, and I go, in two weeks, it'll be the middle of July. Jesus. Like, that'll be July 15th on that Friday or whatever it is. And he was like, oh, my God. Like, that's how fast the year is going. So we thought, why not look ahead and talk about our most anticipated PlayStation 5 games of 2023? And I know what you're going to say, ladies and gentlemen. Greg, 
We've heard you on PS I Love You talk about this before. We've seen you guys do topless and all that stuff. So we decided to make it a bit spicy as we like to. And instead of just saying, hey, let's each. What? It sounded like you said topless. We've seen you guys do top. We've definitely, we've definitely seen Greg do topless. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, No, we said rather than each of us just go through, pick five games. Everybody picks Spider-Man 2. No, 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 no. We're doing it where we can each we each have to have five unique games, and not only five unique games, they need to fit into five categories, w- one game for each. So what we're looking for from each of us is one indie we're excited for for the rest of the year, mm. one exclusive we're excited for for the rest of the year, one third-party game we're excited for the rest of the year, one game we're excited for, but more than excited hopeful for it makes us go i want to play that if it works we like that and then because this is the future of playstation everybody one multiplayer game what is the multiplayer game you are excited for these have to be from 2023 they have to be coming to playstation with the with the exception of the exclusive category they don't have to be exclusive to playstation that track bless Wait, as the words come out of my mouth, you start going on. Oh, no, for the, say that last part again, except for the exclusive. With the category. exception the of the exclusive category, exclusive. they don't need to be exclusive. Oh, okay. to gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, great. Over. So <laughs> we will start with indie, ladies and gentlemen, the indie category, and I will say, Janet, as you are trapped among boxes, no tongs for bacon. What <laughs> do you dream of playing in the indie variety in 2023? I have a lot of dreams. Um, I feel like it's a real. I feel like every year is a freaking good time for indies. Um, but you know, I hate to admit that I'm buying into the hype that Blessing laid down like back in January. But Cocoon, I'm oh. excited. For Cocoon. Which also, I want to do a correction too. When we talked about Cocoon after SGF, I had thought it wasn't a PlayStation game. But yeah, it's it's, it's on PlayStation. Like I don't know why. I, Not I only is Google it a PlayStation game. Up. Right before we went live with this, the release date was announced in the showcase for Annapurna, September 29th. Yeah, this is uh, a really awesome game. The sort of tagline or I think lead marketing thing that's hit a lot of people is like the from the creators of Inside Limbo thing, which for me always slices kind of funky where it's like, okay, but like, what does that really mean? And are we resting on laurels in terms of like the the cloud of the name? But having played this at SGF, um, it was just so inherent and natural i think that's where really i see the dna of the design behind inside in limbo where it's this don't ask any questions just move and you'll sense it out and i really love that about games especially games that have like a light puzzle solving element to them um there's a lot of beauty and sort of over-the-top animations in the ways that you're sort of going in and out of realms between like what i'd kind of call her levels right or areas of the game um and essentially you're like what are you like a little little bug guy yeah you're you're a little bug you're a robo bug because you're going to these robo worlds little little robo bug what i wrote down in my notes from sgf right was i'm freeing a robo bug question mark (laughs) like that's what the narrative is and i like you know that sort of vague environmental storytelling mystery aspect you know where you like encounter like a large creature and you're like is this like you know, uh, my, my parent, a god, a statue, like, you know, is, is who's bad? You know, it kind of gives that vibe a little bit. Um, and also the sound design. Um, I've talked about it before, but the sound design of Cocoon was some of the best sound design I'd heard in a really long time. And probably my favorite sound design from all of, like, what I played at SGF. Um, mm. Maybe, like, Alan Wake maybe tied just because it's horror. But, like, the sound designer snapped on Cocoon. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. And it was one that like, you know, Blessing had called it out back for Fantasy Critic. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. You kind of look at the trailer and you think, sure, I guess. But I think playing it, it just feels so 
like it clicks, you know, yeah. you know yeah. exactly what you're doing. And then even when you don't know what you're doing, you have a general idea. And it also does this thing where a lot of what you're doing is like picking up these little orbs and sort of moving them or manipulating like the environment to start like get a platform moving or like use this different ability. And it's a lot of just interacting with, I think, the different pieces of the environment. And that's what's really compelling. Like it has like a like a coziness to it. Yep. Um, and I will say just to close out, uh, it doesn't have like the same spooky vibes as Limbo and Inside in case that was maybe something that you know, wasn't an appeal point for you or concern. Like I didn't really get horror vibes at all. It's just like, you're just a little guy in a little world walking around and hopefully it stays that way. He doesn't get smooshed or something, but uh, excited for that one. Where, yeah. Well, my notes start with right. Our nice color palette and then intuitive. Cause it is that I yes. think, you know, I've talked about it a few times and what the story I keep dragging out is like, I, the first main boss, right. I kept dying at and Greg Rice was like, so close. And I'm like, ah, oh, stop saying stuff behind me. Uh, but <laughs> before all that, it is the idea of, yeah, you're dropped in this. What do I do? You start exploring a little bit. Oh, okay. You figure it out. Okay. You get this orb and it makes the hard light paths for you to move on. Great. But then you get to the next world and you're like, oh, oh, there's so many aha moments of, oh, I see, I put the orb down and I went in it, but if I take it off take it off and put it back and then get the other orb, put that I, then I got to bring the orb into the orb and all these different things that then you're unlocking a new power, a new little machine that you then have to bring to the next world when you thought you were leaving behind and all these little, it adds on itself with the systems and levels. Yeah, I, what, are your, the, right, what you're talking about right now, right, is the exact thing that I think I was missing out of Somerville when that came out uh, uh, yeah, last yeah, yeah. fall, you know, because... Both these games are games that are coming from people that worked at Play Dead previously, right? Are taking that talent and bringing that forward into making their separate games. And, you know, Janet, you talk about the sound design, you talk about the visuals, all this stuff. That's stuff that I love about Inside, right? That's stuff that, um, you know, when I think about Inside, I think about the atmosphere. I think sure. about the vibes. I think about how every piece of that game feels so meticulously designed. And I think Somerville had a lot of that, um, especially in the visuals and in the audio, right? But I think for me where Somerville was lacking and what, what didn't elevate Somerville to that five out of five status that I would give to a insider or a limbo was that intuitiveness where, you know, you go to a puzzle element, you interact with it and it, it behaves exactly how it's supposed to behave. Yeah. Every single thing feels it makes like sense. It, it makes sense. Everything feels like it has an animation that is tailored for the exact action that you want to do or want to try to do. Um, from what I'm hearing about Cocoon, one, it seems like they're nailing all that stuff from the audio-visual side, which is exactly what I want to hear. When I look at the trailer, when I look at the gameplay of it, the, yeah, like, when you go between the dimensions or phase out of an orb or do it, like, every action looks really cool visually in the animation. But, yeah, hearing you talk, guys talk about how intuitive um, it is, that is exactly what a game like this needs in order to hit that level that you want from something that is coming from people that previously brought games from Play Dead. How confident are you feeling then uh, coming off of uh, SGF? It's, you know, the most anticipated as voted by all the SGF judges, uh, most anticipated indie to then look over at kindoffunny.com slash KF League 2023, which is our fantasy league, us versus the X cast, where let's just be honest, it's really us versus each other. Yeah. PSI Levy's going to win yeah. this hands down, <laughs> but you do have Cocoon on your team blessing and yeah. it's counterpicked by Mike. I know. Meaning that if this delivers on the scores you're expecting, you will also totally sink Snowbike Mike. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's what right now, that's one of my high up contenders. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at, you know, maybe Hollow Knight Silk Song comes out no, this year. No, no. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> Get maybe out of here. Please, God, release it this year. Um, but yeah, like those are the two. And Sea of Stars as well, right? I think this year there's so much indie talent when you're talking about games that look like uh, uh, heavy hitters in different genres. You know, we're talking about games like Viewfinder as well, of like, these games look so special. For and sure. yeah, I think right now there's, no, there's never been a better time to be a gamer.
drag, especially you, for indie games. You think it's the best year of gaming? I think it's possible. I think it is too. Uh, let's continue that going then. So let's talk about what could uh, continue the best year of gaming possible uh, with you, Blessing. What indie are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? The Plucky Squire. Ah, of yeah. course. This is one that I think could speak to any of us. You know, it's that kind of game where you, when you watch the trailer, no matter who you are, I can't imagine anybody watching this trailer and going, nah, you know, nah, I don't even try that's that. not for me, right? Like, this looks cool to anybody that sees this trailer. The animation looks clean. It's bright. It's colorful. High contrast. It's, it's a fun art style. But then when you get the transition from going to, to this 2D storybook style into this 3D, um, uh, 3D platformer style gameplay, and that looks really cool as well. I'm all about that. It looks like it's taking really cool ideas from games like um, you know, Link Between Worlds, um, really, really unique gameplay setup. And then, yeah, like you see all the different um, like art styles they're messing with here in terms of your character going into the wall and then now they're in this like coloring book style and they hop out and they're in a different thing, right? It, I mean, it's incredible to look at. Yeah. It's a, it, like that was my thing where I had missed the initial reveal or didn't remember it. And when people were like, oh, Plucky Squire, Plucky Squire, Plucky Squire, I was like, uh, okay, whatever. And then, seeing that trailer at whatever last showcase it was at. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, shit. Okay, no, I can totally see why people are stoked about this. Yeah. I think it's going to be this year's Tinykin in terms of um, appeal, uh, praise, and also kind of the style, like the bedroom style looks very sim similar to Tinykin. I think the, the jumping sort of between like perspectives. I think the jumping between like the perspectives is going to bring, I think it's going to have way more behind, if it's good. It'll have way sure. more behind than Tiny can do. Honestly, jumping off of what Blessing said of like, yeah, mechanics like Link Between Worlds, but when you're in that 3D space, it's like uh, the remake of Link's Awakening for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is I, they're bringing so much cool visuals to it. And yeah, to the Tinykin thing, right? Like I love Tinykin so much. And looking, and I'm right there with you on the comparison in terms of how they look because, yeah, there's so many parts where they're walking around bedrooms and stuff, right, with a really cool art style. And yeah, that right there speaks to, to Tinykin. But yeah, I, my, my hope would be that this speaks louder than that. Because, you know, a lot of people love Tinykin, but I feel like Tinykin still flew under the radar on the grand scheme of things. Whereas I think this game, right, the Plucky Squire has the chance to speak to the broader audience. The only thing working against it is that, yeah, this might possibly be the best year in video games ever. Like if this game came out in any <laughs> other year I uh, and it's it hits like the way we think it's going to hit, I think we're talking about, you know, best indie of the year or one of the best indies of the year or one of the best games of the year, right? But now I'm like, I hope it at least gets nominated for Best Indie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Coming yeah, off yeah. of what we're talking about with Cocoon and it's, other games. Um, it's Devolver published, right? Or am I making Yes, that you're up? right. Okay, right. yeah. I think that'll uh, sort of help get eyes on it, too. I feel like people, um, maybe it's just my bias of, like, I like Devolver games. I feel like people follow that publisher oh, 100%, fairly maybe. closely. Mm -hmm. And I, I think their marketing strategy combined with just maybe their the reach that they work towards has kind of elevated them as having, like, their own little sort of sector in gaming. It's funny you mention people like devolver as a publisher as a brand right because we just did the annapurna showcase where i was like these are you for the way people feel about devolver is often how i feel about annapurna and my indie pick is thirsty suitors of course coming from outer loop games we now have a release date on it i forgot i don't have it from uh, november 2nd is that right that sounds right yeah thanks barrett uh i got to play this at sgf and again as i talked about in the reaction stream if you haven't caught go watch it on youtube.com slash kind of funny games uh for me, it was one that, of course, well, I know Eka and I've liked his games before, like Falcon Age and stuff like that. But it was that idea from the initial concept and first trailers of it. I was like, that looks awesome. 
I hope it delivers. I hope it's fun to play. I hope it's not one of those indies that seems like a great idea. You're like, oh, it's middling gameplay. You know, I got to go and play it at SGF, do the demo, and I was like, nope, this is great. This is what I want. You know, you are Jala. You are a, a woman who's kind of just, you know, in that set, part of life where you're not 100% sure who you are and what you want to be kind of thing. I get it. You come back home. You know what I mean? You're down on your luck. You come back home and you have to deal with your old exes in town. You have to skate in your old skate park, deal with the, you know, disappointing your parents. I get it. I'm sure you do, right? <laughs> Obviously, it's so influenced by the culture uh, in terms of a, a world I don't know that I'm excited to get to know, similar to Venba, honestly. Uh, but you go through and it is, you know, the stuff you're doing is turn-based uh, combat, right? So it's got that persona vibe to it but it's got that costume quest edge to it of like active buttons for a little bit extra on your attack a little bit uh, to block or something when someone comes at you i dug that uh you know you're inflicting thirst on you can, there's other things you do but in my demo was you I know you flirt with somebody your ex-boyfriend you inflict thirst on him that makes him screw up your moves because he's you know you're flirting with him turning him on doing all these different things like i like that it's got this whole skating thing but it's not like let's punish you skating Tony Hawk style. It is like, no, skate and do this fun thing. I got to do the skate park demo. The, the writing's really funny and clever in it, right? You show up at the skate park, there's these kids, and like, mm -hmm. they ask you, are you a cop? And Jaws like, I'm offended that you would think I'm a I have a nose piercing and I'm all this. You know, yeah. I, and then the guy just go, the kid goes, all adults smell faintly of cops. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. That's I like so this. funny. I like that a lot. So it seems hilarious. The, and I think that's, what's going to pull me through the turn-based stuff that sometimes usually isn't my jam or whatever. And I think it's really fun and really quaint. And I can't wait to get my hands on November. Yeah. It seems completely original and unique. And I think that is going to speak loudly when it comes out, right? It's unlike anything else that's coming out around this vicinity. And I would say anything that's coming out this year. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it for all the same reasons. It's kind of Yakuza-like, now that I really think about it. Like, looking at oh, yeah. the, um, I think, too, like, the trailer that Barrett had pulled up. It's funny, like, he hearing you describe it, then looking at the trailer, it felt like, for a second, like, two different games, and then obviously it converged the more you got into the, the details and the specifics, because it's such a funky, like, bizarre, almost, like, dreamlike looking game in a lot of its, it's sort of grounded in reality in terms of the narrative and, I think, the issues that it addresses, but then it just gets very fever dreamish and over the top and sort of you know i think of yakuza when i think of the um specifically like the sort of specials and like how over the top those animations are it feels like that but in a more like cartoonified bombastic way um i also played this demo at sgf and i enjoyed it um i am a little bit nervous about some of the turn-based combat stuff because i think when combined with heavy dialogue it felt a little bit like wading through mud at times like in terms of the pacing um so i'm nervous about the pacing but i did go in i like left more optimistic than when i entered where i kind of same thing as you like it looked cool then i played it and i'm like yeah i think this could hit i, I left with some concerns but I, I left with concerns in every game like sure. in cocoon i was like oh well i don't know if it'll get like annoying with some of this stuff but um yeah that's what i'm looking forward to as well well, Janet, tell me about your first pick, or your only pick, I guess, for exclusive, for your exclusive, the exclusive you're excited for on PlayStation 5 for the rest of the year. Sure. So I kind of cheated with this one because it's console exclusive. It's not like us being on PlayStation, but yeah. Um, We're just trying to keep fun. it out of Phil Spencer's hands, all right? <laughs> yeah, what? Otherwise, point, there'll like, be only know, one I'll... choice here in Spider-Man. Um, anyway, I picked Viewfinder. Um, we talk about Viewfinder a lot. We will continue to talk about it because it's awesome. It's got... Um, sort of a funky, trippy perspective puzzle game. Um, you know, think Portal, think Superliminal, and think Maquette. Um, it evokes all of those kind of 
uh, vibes and energies from it. The big mechanic is you're sort of taking photographs and then as you like, you can place that Polaroid into the world and then it now exists in the world. And the ways that you've kind of seen that used in, you know, the demo or in the trailers is using it to stack platforms out of like those Polaroid images that come to life, turning it around, you know, and the footage that just showed like you could spin something and then things, items fall out of it. It's like it's a lot of getting creative with that mechanic, which is sort of one of my favorite design ethos in games, more so than gaining additional abilities. I really like when the level design and the challenge presented at you can help you recontextualize existing mechanics. And I think Viewfinder is very much a game about recontextualization, which makes sense because it's a game about perspective inherently. Um, and I haven't played the demo because I'm trying to save it, but I have seen some snippets of you know friends playing it and things, and it looks like it gets really funky with its taken art style as well and sort of using that Polaroid mechanic to introduce different visual styles into uh, what is essentially a pretty minimalistic environment as it's a first-person game, kind of just on floating little platforms. But yeah, Viewfinder. And also, boom, it's a dope uh, smaller title that's coming to PlayStation, which we are kind of always looking for here. Like PlayStation kind of having that tastemaker moment and sort of being like, hey, here's an awesome game that you can only play on PlayStation and PC. But you know, we're talking about consoles <laughs> yeah, here. So. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where we've had conversations before about a PlayStation's indie output, right? And we talk about, you know, there's reasons why you'd want to come to PC. There's reasons why you'd want to go to Xbox or Game Pass. There's reasons why you'd want to, why you'd want to be on Switch for that audience and the retention rate, right? But like, you know, it's nice to see something like Viewfinder come to PlayStation because yeah, this game looks dope as hell. And to all the comparisons you'd made, Janet, to like Portal and Superliminal and other games like that, right? Like I also think of Manifold Garden, which is a game that I love dearly. And then also nice. Anti-Chamber that I played back in the day that I also love dearly. Like, I love these kinds of games. And Viewfinder, for all the for all the ones I played, right, I don't get surprised anymore. You know, like Manifold Garden had such cool concepts from the infinitely repeating worlds that they did. But I saw that and I thought it was really well executed and really cool. But didn't like that thing does that that stuff doesn't surprise me anymore right maquette didn't surprise me even though i think the gimmicks are really cool everything i've seen from viewfinder so far has surprised me and how well it works and that has me excited because it makes me feel the, the again the first time i played uh portal right where, where you play with the portal gun and you're like there's no way this works the way it's, it, it it presents itself to work and then you use it and you're like oh this is really cool viewfinder is giving me those feels and yeah i cannot wait to play it what else can you not wait to play for your indie pick blessing at AOE Jr.? Uh, my exclusive pick? Yes. My right. exclusive pick. Uh, <laughs> it's a game. I look at my notes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a great transition. I'm telling you. It was a great transition. It's a game that is slated for 2023. That okay. at this point, I'm be honest. You're not believing? I don't think this game no, is coming I don't out. Either. <laughs> I don't think this game is coming out in 2023. It is Stellar Blade. It's a game that was revealed as a PlayStation exclusive, I believe, at the previous... No, at, at the State of Play um, last year, right, where they revealed the name uh, last fall. It was revealed before that, right, as a Project Eve, um, and it looks really cool. Mm -hmm. The thing that I always compare this game to is Nier, but it's also, like, so much more than that in terms of what it's bringing to the table, our style, and, and in the action game department. When you look at the action gameplay, it looks almost like a mix of a character action game but then also you can i feel like there's a bit of souls like in there you know it's like it's fast like a character action game but in the ways that like the uh, this boss fight right now that barrett's showing there's this level of like precision and enemy animation that feels very deliberate that reminds me of playing something from from software or souls like but yeah i love how stylish it is i love that you know this is giving me the the um 
you know, feels of the kind of action games that I love, right? The Devil May Cry's, the platinum action games of the world, the Metal Gear Solid Rising Revengeances of the world. Um, but it looks like it's doing its own thing. And then, you know, when you watch the, sh the story trailer, Audio-wise, it reminds me of Nier, just in how the soundtrack sounds. Mm -hmm. The um, uh, story-wise, story there's a lot of stuff with androids and, and world-building there that reminds me of Nier as well. And then, like, even in Nier, there's a character named Adam and Eve, and this character, the main character, I believe, in this game is named Eve as well. Like, there's a lot of analogs to that that I appreciate, but also doesn't feel like it, they just went, hey, let's make that. Let's make Nier. Sure. It doesn't feel like they just did that. It feels like they're being inspired by a bunch of different things, and it looks really good. Like, visually, it looks incredible, very colorful, very bright. Um, I just want to know where it is. <laughs> right before this episode, I tweeted out where is Stellar Blade because I am shocked that it wasn't at a play that at the last PlayStation, PlayStation Showcase for a game slated in 2023, mm -hmm. which tells me that it's not coming out this year. But I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it until they us. tell you something, right? Until they yeah. say it's not 2023, you're allowed to believe. Yeah, and so I'm. My thing is, I'm hoping maybe we get a PlayStation Showcase this fall, and they announce maybe it's coming out in the first half of next year. You know, that's where my hope is at right now. But I just want to play it. I want to try it out. It looks really cool. It's coming from, um, I believe the devs called Shift Up, who previously worked on very popular mobile stuff. And we're seeing that happen more and more. Um, and, like, I'm hoping a lot of these games come out good because it's a question mark in terms of, like, these games that PlayStation's partnering with and a lot of bigger bigger companies are partnering with to see greenlit and coming out um, uh, worldwide. It's, like, a lot of stuff coming out of China, a lot of stuff coming out of Korea, right? I want to see this stuff come out and do good because these game, games look really cool. So that's my exclusive pick. Uh, my exclusive pick should shock no one in the world, right? It's Spider-Man 2. We, we each can only... We said we wouldn't double up on stuff. I was just I'm about to say, I'm, I'm not like, saying oh, I, who went first in these, <laughs> this selection? I know. I was like, I know somebody else would have put it in. I, I think maybe I shouldn't... But it's like, I put it in there. It's, it's true. I, yeah. You got to be true to yourself, and I can't fucking wait for Spider-Man 2. Uh, of course, Barrett's showing the uh, SGF demo again, and it's just like, to get in there, have the black suit, to go back to Peter, to go back to Miles, to go back to the Marvel game Spider-Man universe, I'm so stoked for. I'm so excited to see what they have up their sleeve. And, you know, just like a good Spider-Man comic or a good Spider-Man movie, right? I'm so excited for the story. Like, I'm excited. I, if you were asking me to, like, list in terms of bullet points what I'm stoked about when I think of Spider-Man 2, I think about the story first, then I think about what the suit powers will be for uh, Rock and the Symbiote, and then I think about, like, platinuming the game, going through and getting every nerdy little collectible, exploring that city, finding all the Easter eggs again, you know, for what Spider-Man was and what Spider-Man uh, Miles Morales was. It was, and I, but I really, what Spider-Man was when we got it right, it was Insomniac not only crushing it and I, making the definitive Spider-Man game, it really was them flexing their Spider-Man nerd muscles, right? In terms of like the amount of things they hid, the amount of references they put in there, the, the love that went into uh, Harry's audio diaries or the things that were in the back or the foreground of a scene with uh, Norman Osborn or, you know, even just finding backpacks and having little notes and stuff in there that really fleshed out who Peter was and who MJ was to him and all those different things. I'm excited to see what that looks like in this world. I'm excited for the twists and turns of the story. And then, of course, I'm excited for this gameplay as we see Miles flying, which you yeah. kind of forget. <laughs> the wingsuit is really cool. Yeah, the wingsuit is going to be dope. But, yeah, I assume you're all on the same page about that. We've talked eh, a lot about Spider-Man. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My thing, though, in uh, my my thing is, as we've been getting more and more dope games this year, I've been thinking more and more about our game of the year. And at the top of the year, I felt like it was a given that Spider-Man 2 is going to be in our top three by the time we get to the end of the year. Now I've been thinking about, like, is it going to hit our top five even when we get mm -hmm. to our kind of funny mm -hmm. countdown? Because I think about Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, how well they hit. I think about Final Fantasy 16 and how much kind of funny the office is loving it. 
I think about Starfield coming up. I think about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And then there's Alan Wake 2. There's Diablo. This might be the greatest. There's a lot of good games. <laughs> a lot of good you, games. Might be the best year of gaming, but that I'm sure will be a 900 people podcast. You'll hear thousands of times come December and January. It's interesting, right? Because I think you're spot on with the first two. Mm-hmm. I think Zelda, Final Fantasy, I see being in front of Spider-Man in terms of the kind of funny office overall. But that's where then it gets questionable. Interesting. Where I think I could see Spider-Man. The top three is questionable because of how many great games are this year. Top five, I think, is guaranteed. Think unless so? it's like, unless the, the way Spider-Man fails is that it is just more Spider-Man. Which always sucks to but say. But isn't that what it's going to be? <laughs> like, yeah, but, and that's, no, that's where I'm at too. It. Like, I don't want to, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about, whenever we get into that, like, more of the same territory, it gets uh, intense for some people listening, where they're like, what's wrong with it? It's just still good. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm full. Like, you can only eat, like, okay, so I made a pound of macaroni and cheese on, was it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. That's just how much I cook when I cook it, whatever. I knew there'd be leftovers. I didn't anticipate how many leftovers there'd be. We had, like, six metal containers of six, six servings left over of macaroni and cheese. And I mean macaroni and cheese all the time. And I love macaroni and cheese, but after a certain point, I kind of want DiGiorno even if it's not as good as the mac and cheese I made. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, tell me, you, you can't tell me you can't relate to that. Like, come on now. Anyway. But, but you got to pace out the mac and cheese. It's been a few years since we that, got that That is the cheese. thing. And what I'm, what I'm yeah, saying so I'm of more Spider-Man... It. What but I'm saying like you for want me mo- to compliment the way I did when you first made it, and like it don't bang like that anymore. Like, or maybe but it will. I don't know. I don't I'm know. saying, but so stick with me. I just mean, and I know this is now we're getting into even. The, I love it, the mac and cheese comparison. An even bigger argument. Yeah, right? when you have grandma's mac and cheese for the third Thanksgiving in a row, it's like it's great mac and cheese. No, man, you haven't <laughs> had that mac and cheese in the year. You're no, that's what he's excited. saying. That's what he's saying, isn't it? I think that I'm saying. It just has to be that if the Spider-Man doesn't deliver the thrills, uh, high highs in gameplay and high highs in story, I have every belief it will. But if it was that you came in and you're like, oh, it just plays the same as Spider-Man. Oh, it just does the same thing. Personally, and I know this, you and I don't agree on this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Miles Morales is better than Spider-Man. Uh, I always want to say remastered. 2018. Spider-Man, yeah. right? Uh, because of I thought they learned a lot in terms of cinematography and pacing of the story. Uh, the way they had character, the NPCs they gave, like, I thought, like, you like the pacing of the story in Miles Morales more than 2018. Now, you are correct. The villain sucks and whatever. And yet, or the main villain who was Tobey Maguire. But, or no, <laughs> uh, 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 Troy Baker. Yeah, but Troy Baker, but he was playing the guy from that 70s show. Topher Grace. Guy looks exactly like Topher Grace, but it's played by Troy <laughs> I Baker. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't unsee it. You can get me an image of the dude. Uh, That's really funny. You know what I mean? I have He's, no idea. Like, just Miles Spider-Man Morales. Miles Morales villain. villain main yeah. villain. Not the team. Troy Baker. Spider-Man Miles Morales. Troy Baker. Oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I like the, the tinkerer. I like the a- angle of the tinkerer of the, the battle between uh, her and Miles and stuff like that. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I I love Spider-Man Miles Morales in a way I know you didn't. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, in, not divisive really, but it's like even, it's divisive of like four versus five, right? On the kind of funny scale, a, a four sure. out of five versus a five. Sure, out of five. yeah, that's a great point or whatever, right? And so I think yeah, getting into a large mate. I see. Yeah, you think he looks no. over Grace? In no, that who show? is it? Fuck, God damn it! Now I'm in my own head. <laughs> do I think it's Silver Grace or somebody else? I don't else? know. I, <laughs> I just, oh, I think I know who you're talking about. I love actually. Greg Hold asking, on. do I think Hold this on. person? How would we possibly do it? No, it's been so question. long since I saw this fucking guy. And the, no, it does. This is. No, I was going to say, get me an in motion thing, Barrett. But I'm, I mean, I, I think him on this white background isn't doing me any favors. But that definitely the one trailer where he's like, 
leaning in and talking to you or whatever, I thought he looked like Topher Grace. Doesn't matter. Know. He looks like generic ass white guy, <laughs> and he just shows up to be the generic ass villain. You know what I mean? So bam, done. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, I, it's just like oh no, so please. Much going on in the I like you. I like you to laugh at the show and interact with the chat. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I, it was uh, it's Keegan's chat saying kind of looks like Jeff Keighley, which is a little bit a little bit true. Like, no, bring it back up. Bit. No, we're not gonna. Yeah, do, but I mean, we're not gonna do this, to Jeff Keighley. With all due respect to Jeff Keighley and talking as a generic oh, ass yeah, white that's guy, a, that's an image from Gen- him from last week. Generic ass white you guy. Told me yeah. If we do that face fade, it's not gonna be kind of. Here's the thing. It's I'm because that's it's a Game Awards hosting fit. And people always, you know, whenever you say like, "Oh, this looks like this person," or "This looks like you," people will always be like, "Don't look at me." I didn't say it was you. I said it's. You know, it's similar. It's similar. I'm just, and I just remember Keegan wrote, all right? Like, he, he kind of nailed it. I feel like this could be, you could put this into Death Stranding and I wouldn't, I wouldn't notice. <laughs> we'll wait. And anyway, see I'm excited for the next Spider-Man game. And yeah. to your guys' point of the, which one's kind of better or whatever, I think Miles is more even, but I think Spider-Man, the first one, is more flavorful. Like, it has lower lows, but I think the highs are higher. I felt more mm-hmm. emotion watching and playing spider-man 2018 than i did during miles's story and i really hope what i'm hoping for this one you know mac and cheese metaphor aside is that this feels like the convergence of those two different kinds of highs you know where there's like the mechanical and i think like we're talking about the npcs and things like that that we get with miles but i want like the emotional impact and frankly the amount of suits as um we got in 2018, which I know the suit thing. It's like, oh, well, you can only pick whatever. Okay. I don't care whatever comic book reason you have. I like putting on the different suits. Okay. I don't know. But yeah. Can I tell you in my notifications on Twitter, something ominous is happening. Cause like, so isn't coming out. I get a notification, you know, speaking, speaking of thirsty suitors from Eka. Oh God. Who just retweeted the tweet from weeks ago. That of me on the show talking about the fantasy critic of <laughs> like what I because I was making the argument of like I don't know how high thirsty suitors is gonna do on on uh, uh, open critic or whatever yeah. uh, and so like you called Echo on the show and yeah, we had a fun bit about mm-hmm. it and so Echo like tweeted out the videos like at, at love ya at blessing Junior. he just retweeted that video again which makes me think that like he either watched our is he watching right now or he's watching live I can't tell no we call him. Well, what what does it mean? What do you maybe mean? Maybe he Eka? just had consultants <laughs> come back and they predicted like watching really the reactions score. now. Maybe you know. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> maybe he just didn't have organic content today and was like, "Let's just go back into the retweet bag," you know. I need I need to know the meaning of this retweet. That bag. is ominous, though. I understand. Eka, it's Greg Miller. You're live on PSI Love You XOXO. How are you? Good. He, he already knows what we're calling him out to. Blessing, yeah. in the middle of this show, Blessing was like, wait a second, why is Ecker retweeting the, <laughs> the dunk I made on him or whatever? Now, did you watch the reactions where he was positive, or are you watching the live recording of PS I Love You where he's positive about your game? Oh, no, I watched the the reaction. Was it? Well, it was, you guys were watching the stream. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so then, and then you said it. You saw it. You saw him be excited about your game, and you still decided to go throw in his face. This hater. No, I, no. I said we got him. I love it. As soon as he saw some ass on screen, I think he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Wow, accurate." accurate. accurate. That's right. exactly how it happened, though. And so, yeah, great showing today, Aka. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, talk to you later. Bye. All right, bye. As soon as he saw some ass <laughs> on wow. the screen, good lord, what do we do oh, here? Oh man, not your number. Bless. Got he him. Did, it was good ass. Blessing. Yep. I want you to start. 
the third party section of our show. I want you to tell me what third party you are excited for coming to PlayStation 5 in 2023. This is right after I tell everybody about <laughs> patreon.com slash kind of funny. If you love this show, love us and like us staying independent. Hey, why not head over to patreon.com slash kind of funny. You could kick us some bucks to say, Hey, great job. Then you can watch the show live as we record them a day before anybody else. Just like Omega Buster, Keegan Hill and Greg Spencer are, of course you could get dozens and dozens, actually hundreds and hundreds. No joking. Uh, no joking. No joke of uh, exclusive content only available on patreon.com slash kind of funny. And, of course, you can get cool new merch all the time. Uh, however, since you're not on Patreon.com slash kind of funny, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I know this from experience, how often it just seems easier to care about others and to keep it moving. But... When we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burnt out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Some of my very best friends use BetterHelp and love how helpful it can be for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash kindoffunny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash kindoffunny. All right, bless. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. So we're looking for your third-party pick mm. to round out our 15 games here. It was tough to decide. I came down to two games. Uh, it was between Armored Core and then my oh. actual pick. Oh! Lies of P. Oh! Lies of P. I, Thank, good job, Demo. Good, good job, job demo. demo. Yeah, this is coming off of me going back and completing that demo and really loving that demo. Again, you guys, you guys have heard about Lies of P a million times, right? It's the new Soul. It's the new Souls-like game that is taking a lot of inspiration from Bloodborne as well as other From Software titles. Uh, it is. It stars a puppet that could be Pinocchio. I don't think we got confirmation about it's it. It's Pinocchio. But we don't know that. We don't know that. Maybe you're finding Pinocchio. It's just the, the main finding character Pinocchio. looks like t- Timothy Chalamet. And so I just call he him. He looks just like Timothy. Yeah. This one is a one-to-one. Yeah. So I, I just call him Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. But you're playing as Timothy. And, you know, you're going through this world that is very dark, very grim. Has, like, a lot of Bloodborne feels. But also, I think, does have a lot of unique energy. Because a lot of the enemies that you're fighting against are these mechanical creatures that are Geppetto's creations. And I think that is a, a lovely idea for a game. That's what I love to see when you're going back and you're taking a, an IP that, um, uh, like, I forget what they call it. When, like, the license can be used by anybody. Public domain. Yes. When you're, when you're reaching into something that just became public domain <laughs> to do whatever you want with it. This is what I want to see you do. This this looks creative. This is it's really fun to play. I think they're learning all the right things from Bloodborne. And yeah, I'm so excited about it. Janet in the PS <laughs> I Love You Slack channel. I saw I was doing something else real quick. It says pre-order bonus LMAO and then throws up this is clear this cat there is Pinocchio. 
It's uh, Pinocchio. You know, Look at this pre-order bonus outfit. You don't know the, it for sure. The image is really tiny, but it's like what has to be the best cosmetic pre-order bonus I've ever seen. An audio seen listener, it's in my life. a little clown hat, the yellow thing, and then a big old fluffy neck thing. Maybe, you, then, steal, yeah. maybe you steal that off of the real Pinocchio. It looks like a puppet. It's called Mischievous Puppet's Clothes yeah. Parade Hat. Great Which that's like the first boss, right? Like the parade, like leader or whatever, like one of the early bosses. Let me say, you can steal that outfit off of Pinocchio. That's what he did. That's what he did right there. Okay, great. Also, you're right. It doesn't say Pinocchio, but it says you are a puppet created by Geppetto. Exactly. Which, like, that has to be Pinocchio. But in this world, <laughs> in this world, well, he was everything's like a puppet cre- guy. Though you're right. <laughs> but here's the, yeah, everything's created by Geppetto. Your nose didn't get bigger. Yeah. I think the final boss is the real Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. that's good. Blast. And like when you, when you fight him, it, his it, sword is, his, is nose. his nose. Yeah. And he's just waving <laughs> his face around like this. Hell yeah. It's going to be great. Hard to believe you haven't been scooped up for a game dev role yet. No? <laughs> you know? I can just, you're the beating pitching to Shuei. Hey? Like, I swipe your face around like, <laughs> no, Shuei, sure, you don't understand. It's Pinocchio. Where are you going? Come back. <laughs> he lies. So his nose gets bigger. So you have to fight him like this. Oh, shit. Oh I just hit the microphone. <laughs> for my third party game, I'm picking Alan Wake 2. Uh, this nice. was my game of SGF. Uh, it is my most anticipated game of 2023. Uh, Again, we, we can talk about it for a million different reasons, and I know I've talked its ear off before, but just a combination of a whole bunch of different stuff I really, really like of, you know, the outsider mystery. Uh, then we're tossing in a whole bunch of, you know, the detective stuff that I've wanted and gotten out of True Detective but struggled to get out of a game. Um, it looks great. I love the mystery of having the two different playable characters, right, going through his saga, going through his Alan, seeing how their stories intertwine and sex. And it was just such a great demo of having such little HUD on screen, being so cinematic, being spooky, being scary, and then going to the mind palace and, you know, collect connecting clues one by one with the string theory on the board and having to like, you know, profile people. And I was like, oh man, like this sounds awesome. I love remedy, uh, especially since control, right? Like control was such a breakout, like, oh, this is what modern remedy is. And to see them bring that over here gets me so excited. Uh, I can't wait for Alan Wake 2. Again, I still have never made it through Alan Wake 1 because it just wasn't my kind of game, but this is survival horror, which is a Greg uh, genre, so I'm pretty stoked for it. Yeah, I was jealous you picked this one because this would have been my pick. I think I might be there with you for most anticipated for the rest of the year because I don't think like anything else tops it for me. Um, yeah, same deal as you. I started playing Alan Wake 1, and I was like, Nah, I'm all right. I mean, I still kind of want to go back. I was like, I'm kind of feeling the narrative, but I wasn't feeling the gameplay like at yeah. all, even on the remaster. Um, this was so stunning and like a wonderful mashup of things. And I think if you liked Control, this seeing like you know the the bigger slice of this at SGF and like getting to like do the hands off, but someone else was directly hands on. Is there a name for that when you have like a live demoist? I don't know if there's like a shorter name for that, but watching that happen in hands real off time demo, yeah. but i guess then right yeah but it's like, i'm hands off but they're hands on like i don't know there's something there like someone <laughs> let me know what this could be called um because there's like hands off where it's just you're showing me footage already but this had the immediacy of live theater you know so like it was it hit different um yeah it was just so atmospheric and spooky and twisted and i think for you know anyone who's completed control knows that that's that game's a little bit scarier than anyone really anticipated and i feel like this pulls on a lot of that trippy nature they got, vibe. they got the good fonts too oh, like yeah. i don't know what, what's Ooh, the yeah, font that you drop the font remedy because like what are i oh, gonna pay andy to should if andy was life? listening he'd run in here and tell you he knows for sure impact yeah, but 
It's very stylized. Impactful. Yeah, impactful. impactful. <laughs> Janet, what uh, third party game are you excited for? I'm going with Oxen Free 2. Ah. Um, heavy Indian, a lot of these. Um, this is Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals, um, made by Night School. Um, this is a follow up to their other game, like two games ago or whatever, Oxen Free, which I adored. Um, this is similar vibe and still an island, but different characters, different islands. So it's more pulling on the idea of the supernatural and using like a radio and radio frequencies as the way that you kind of interact with like what is essentially potentially like another dimension you know this is kind of god i forgot what year oxenfree one came at and if it was before or after stranger things but it has that stranger things energy to it like the i think it was right world. around the same time hold on yeah because it kind of has some of that upside down energy like not not like one-to-one because there's not like january you know, 15th 2016 yeah so that's like in that in that kind of season but um one thing that was really exciting to me about this is just i love the narrative of oxen free one i thought it was a really emotional story and it's one of the few games that i like really got all the juice out of because i like replayed it and got like the the true ending i was gonna say did you do the whole new game plus thing oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. normally i just like look up the end but like once i i think i did have to look up stuff though i didn't just wander into the true ending but i i kind of was like is that really how it ends and then people were like oh if you go and like do the new game plus stuff you get like additional additional things and it i think did a lot it just had like a big emotional impact because a lot of oxen free one without spoiling it is sort of dealing with not just ghosts but like the your your past in some ways the idea of maybe going back to change your past the idea of um kind of what are you perceiving and what is true like it has a lot of like what is reality sort of moments and you know where are you and how do you get out and how do you break the loop it's kind of a little bit of a loop game um before loop games really had their year in the spotlight so i almost put signals we did a kind of feudy the other day that had time loops in it and it was on my it was in the hopper and i was like no one's saying oxen free no one thought about oxen free as a loop game no because it's it's not as in your face mechanic yeah. really, it's not quite used it is used as a mechanic but not in the same way that i think we got used to with certain loop games sure. so i'm excited for this it's not often that you know a smaller studio even though it's funny to think of night school is small when they just got acquired by netflix, netflix but you know um yeah it's like it's like it's like a weird that weird mashup of like what is sure. indie right but it's rare to get like direct sequels to indie games um for a lot of reasons you know like marketing issues and then like does anyone care enough and yep. all that so i'm Definitely a little bit nervous that I won't hit those highs, but I'm always down for whatever night school has cooking up, and this is no different. Three things, like the Dudley boys would say. Uh, Nina in the live chat says, is Oxenfree 2 coming to Netflix at launch or just consoles and Steam? Netflix. It's everything. Yeah, it's coming yeah. everywhere at launch. It's not windowed anywhere, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, then for you, Janet, Stranger Things debuted July 15th, 2016. So Oxenfree did beat Stranger Things to market. And then uh, this is another one that I played at SGF, and I was actually... Not pleasantly surprised by that wouldn't be the right idea. I know the talent of Night School, but for me, for some reason, Oxenfree didn't work. Like it did not click. Right. I did not fall in love with it. Like I thought I would, and so many people thought I would as a story gamer. What I like about Oxenfree 2 from the demo I played at SGF, right, is it seems we get to the supernatural quicker. I think mm-hmm. that might be what threw me off about Oxenfree in retrospect. It was the all right, cool. It's about these characters you're meeting and the relationships and the choices you're making in dialogue. And then this thing starts to happen, but then we're still worrying about that. But then, and then I was like, can we get to what is going on faster? Yeah. So I know, and like for it to start, it'd be like, yo, this is what's going on. There's crazy shit happening. I'm like, okay, I think that might work for me better, but we'll see. I think too, just real quick. Um, I want to comment on after 
God, night school. I was going to say after party. That was the second game. Yeah. Or their last game. Um, they The thing that really stands out for this studio to me is their, besides like their stylized UI for dialogue boxes, um, <laughs> is their ability to create really natural conversation. I think a lot of people that are sort of on the fence as like narrative game people are like, mm, the dialogue just doesn't feel natural or I don't like the pacing. Like, I think they do a great job with pacing because it kind of just goes and you could do anything. You could respond. You can not talk for like minutes at a time, a bunch of different dialogue going on. And they'll comment on the fact that you're not talking or that you're walking away or whatever. But it feels like you have a lot of freedom to really play it your way. And while there is like a choice-based element, it's very like woven within the dialogue and the conversations. There's not really that big, no offense to like Life is Strange because I love Life is Strange, but there's not like a, and that's gonna matter. And here's how it matters. Like it's it's much more subtle and natural and like a storybook that you don't realize that you're even writing um, or that you're a co-author of. So I think they handle co-authorship in a way that feels more organic than maybe any studio is putting out in the narrative space, in my opinion. So uh, if that's been a point of pause for you, I do think this could be worth checking out if you kind of are like an on-the-cusp narrative person. Blessing? Correct. Tell me about the game you're hopeful for. One game to pick for PlayStation 5's rest of 2023 that you hope pans out. So there's a game that was announced today, as of the, t- the day we're recording, right? It was announced this morning. Um, that takes me back to the uh, conversations we had about Hot Wheels Unleashed a couple yeah, years ago when yeah. that came out, where we would see trailers for it and go, oh, this looks kind of neat, but it's a Hot Wheels game, like it's licensed. There's no way that this comes out and it's good. And then we got our hands on Hot Wheels Unleashed and we're pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I get some of the same vibes from this, just from this debut trailer. Uh, it is Wild Card Football. This is a game that, again, was announced today. It stars Colin Kaepernick. And it's coming from Saber Interactive. I assume it's the same team that brought us NBA Playgrounds. I've been trying to do research on that, but I can't find anything concrete. But it has some of that NBA Playgrounds style and energy to it. But even more so, it reminds me of playing NFL Blitz back in the day or playing NFL Street back in the day. Um, It looks like it wants to be an arcade football game that is fun to play, that you know, throws out all the sim elements and goes all in on things like power-ups that I really appreciate. Um, I I have a Polygon article pulled up that was written by uh, Owen S. Good, and there's two paragraphs that I want to highlight here, right? So they started off by talking about wild wild card football. It's a seven-on-seven throwdown jacked with zany power-ups, such as Kaepernick uh, growing supersized and stopping the hell out of the defense. Uh, News release on Thursday said Kaepernick will be joined by hundreds of genuine pro players, meaning Sabre got an NFL Players Association group license, but it doesn't have the National Football League license. I then jumped forward in the article where uh, I believe, is this Kaepernick? Yeah, I believe this is Kaepernick talking about the game where he says, quote, it feels, I think, in relation to what Fortnite is in that realm, or Mario Kart within uh, racing. This very much feels that way to me, Kaepernick added. Those were the games I enjoyed the most, games uh, like that growing up. Uh, he said his youth involved a steady diet of di- of um, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, and NFL Street, as well as Zelda, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, and the Final Fantasy uh, series. Um, and earlier in the article, they talk about like Colin Kaepernick is involved in the development of the game, which I think is really fun <laughs> and, and uh, interesting. But yeah, this is one of those ones that Reminds me of a lot of the arcade football games I played growing up, and that immediately is going to get me in. But also, you know, I played NBA Playgrounds when that came out, uh, and I thought that game was fun, right? Like, wasn't necessarily my favorite arcade basketball game, but I think it got the job done. I'm hoping with wildcard football, they're able to pull that off on the NFL side of things and hopefully, you know, recreate some of that magic that a lot of people love out of NFL Street or NBA Bl- or NFL Blitz. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I hope that pans out. That's something you know Mike's always talking about, wanting those kind of street games again, the EA big titles. Yeah. I hope it works out. I hope it's good. Uh, for me, what I put here was Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord, of course, coming to PlayStation VR 2. This is the Ghostbusters VR game. Uh, we were lucky enough at Halloween time uh, to have uh, the first hands-on uh, and do some interview stuff here and, and hang out with them. Uh, playing it, I, obviously it was, you know, October of last year. There's still no date on it. They're still saying this year. Um, playing it then, I was like, you know what? This is fun. The, uh, you know, I had a bunch of concerns as a big Ghostbuster fan, right, of like, I we've talked about this before, you know, like I miss with PlayStation VR 2 not having the gun attachment to put everything in with the move wands. So for a Ghostbusters game, I was originally thinking of, you know, having a, a Neutrona wand in your hand, but it would be the same thing of a split hand. I don't like that. They get around it by kind of giving you a Gatling gun feel with this one. So one hand at the back of the Neutrona wand and one hand on the side of it to spin around and do stuff. And it was fun to bust these ghosts. You know, the multiplayer worked. You're customizing your Ghostbuster. You're running through and doing these things. It's in San Francisco. It's its own universe. It's kind of got this extreme Ghostbuster style to it that I really uh, dug and appreciated. And so gameplay was far from finished, right? You're playing something very early, but the core mechanic of it, I enjoyed. Walking around my PKE meter out, trying to seek out the ghost, I enjoyed. Trapping the ghost, I enjoyed. I hope it looks as good as it looks in the trailer. You know, again, it's got that stylized thing. That would be my concern is what the visual fatality of it would be. And then also how deep is it? What is going on with it? Is it actually fun over the course to play or is it doing the same thing over and over again and having, as I always talk about with my PlayStation VR 2 complaints, the Dave and Buster's feel. This is an arcade game that I'm not drawn to see the finish of. Am I actually going to want to go through and fight the Ghost Lord and figure this whole story out? Or is it going to be something we stream and have a great time with and I put down and never come back to? That's why I'm hopeful that the promise I saw last year at, in October uh, pans out this year, but we'll have to wait and see. Janet, what do you got? Um, I swapped mine out last minute because I, I really want to encompass this the nature of this category, which is hopeful. So I want there to be a lot of doubt in here. <laughs> um, so I'm going with Goodbye Volcano High. This is a game that I'm so afraid is not going to be good that I saw it on the back east floor and I kept walking. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to touch this. Even though, and for the record, I feel like I did hear like from a few people like, oh yeah, it was cool. Like the demo was cool. You know, I don't know. I'm scared. Um, the premise, this is a cinematic narrative game, uh, kind of about like the end of an era. It's got like that band thing. Here's the thing. Where have I been burned before? You already know. We are OFK. We are OFK, right? That's the exact same thing. And the whole band thing, like, ah, but is it? It's giving we are OFK meets, like, one time I saw on Twitter when this game was announced that this game feels very deviant art. Yes. So, like, the deviant art, we are OFK combo, I can't do it. But I'm a believer because I love, you know, a cinematic narrative game. This has, like, some rhythm elements. It could be, this is, like, the classic janet greg game that's either going to be pretty cool or is not even going to suck because a lot of times the games that we play that don't pan out don't even suck it's just like they're like really mid they break our heart they're yeah. so and mid they, like, they break our heart along. If, it, if it sucked i could leave episode one but it's like it's just enough there that i'm like does anyone else care about what happens at the end of this not good game and it's like just me and greg right um this just gives me that vibe. I think also we haven't heard a lot about it. Like obviously it has well, been um, gestating for so long, right? This was, yes. this was originally supposed to be a launch game for PlayStation five. And we just, we hadn't heard anything for so mm-hmm. long. Wait, isn't that, day, yeah. isn't that day passed? It's that June 15th, 2020. I do think while I was Googling, I, I saw rumblings of August come up. I don't know if that's confirmed. I, if it is, I have it. Why uh, am I not hearing about, you know, calendar. I'm sure it's there. Exactly. Like, it's not that, you know, 
when that stuff happens, when it, when I make those comments, it's not that people aren't working on getting that market According out there. According to but, Wikipedia, yes. goodbye, Hall of, blah, 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 uh, the game is scheduled for release August 29th. Yeah. And I hate to, like, and again, this is not to disparage the people that are obviously working on marketing this product. I'm sure there are people doing it. But the fact that I am into this genre, work in this field, and haven't really heard it, like, you know, it reminds me of, like, when they unceremoniously dropped, like, that Road 96 sequel, and I was like, when did this come, oh, it's here now, and no one liked it? Like, what happened? Like, it just kind of, you know, came by. So, this is the one I'm hopeful for. I'm going down with the ship. Get ready to hear me and Greg Swerther cast. Oh, yeah. Are- <laughs> if we love High, or hate yeah. Goodbye Volcano High, Jan and I are going to have a lot to say yeah. about it, for sure. For sure. Because, yeah. You know, this narrative game, these dinosaurs at the end of the world, they, like, they're dating and like, it's, oh, fuck yeah, let's go. Senior year of high school, like, this could be, like, real The cheesy. vibes. These the vibes, vibes real bless. Cringe. Bless. Yes. When it comes to your final pick for our 15 PSI Love You XOXO PlayStation 5 games we're still anticipating in 2023, which are you going to put in the multiplayer category? Exo Primal. Oh, yeah. I got to preview this game at Capcom yeah. a month ago. This game is a really fun game. Really? Oh, oh I, yeah. Oh man, I would. I don't know much about it. I thought this would have been like a hopeful. No, no. I, this game is legitimately oh, okay. fun. Yeah, the, I got it. For, I want it for the memes. I didn't know it no, actually be good. It's Hell a yeah, really fun video. The only thing I think that has going against it is the price point because I believe it's full price. If I go on Steam, it's yeah, sixty dollars. It's sixty dollars on Steam. I don't know how much it is on consoles, but I assume that it's going to be equal on consoles. But um. It's a really fun multiplayer game that is taking, you know, some the 60 bucks, 60 bucks. All right, cool. It's taking like kind of the, the game modes that you see out of a game like Overwatch in terms of moving the payload and all this stuff, plus the horde mode type um, uh, combat that you get in plenty of those games. Right. And melding them together in a really fun way. And so the, the way I'll, I'll place it right is uh, about a month and a half ago, I went to Capcom for a preview event. That preview event was for both Street Fighter and Exoprimal. And they did it in, they cut the day in halves, right? Where I was there for the full day. The first half was Street Fighter, and then the second half was Exoprimal. I went there excited to check out Street Fighter because it was us playing more World Tour for the first time. And, um, you know, spent the first half of the day playing Street Fighter, was enjoying it, you know, got done with it, and went, oh man. I got I got to play X Primal for the rest of the for the rest of the day <laughs> for like a three and a half hour oh, session. Oh shit! I'm like, oh man, like all right, I guess let, you know, let's do this. We're gonna play some X Primal. All right, we start playing X Primal, and they divided the the rooms up into teams, and so you know, w- uh, my team was all secluded in one room, and we're facing another room full of press people um, that were playing on their own separate team, and. By the time we started our first match, there was already this rivalry going going on where the the match starts and it's the 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 mode starts off as we are um uh doing this horde like uh, fighting hordes of dinosaurs that are appearing one by one and making our way through um the, the different groups of hordes and it is a race where you finish the first horde and every horde takes you maybe like 20 to 30 seconds to beat. You finish the first horde and then an announcer says, "You are ahead of the other team" or "You are five seconds behind the other team, right? Yeah, They're yeah, telling yeah, you whether yeah. you're ahead or behind. And then as you're making your way up, uh, through to the next horde, you can see the ghosts of the other team and like how far ahead mm. they are of you or how far behind uh, cool. they are. Very cool. And so it is this battle of, oh, we got to beat these dinosaurs faster than the other team is beating their dinosaurs. You get through that phase. And then once that's done, it then starts phase two of, now let's push uh, these payloads to the end of the, of, of, of the map. Okay. Um, that is where like the actual PvP element starts up because then you are now meeting halfway through that with the other team and now you are literally fighting each other to see who can um uh, get 
their payload to the front before the other uh, the other team does and you are interfering with each other there's a power-up you can get to where you turn into a giant dinosaur and then start fucking up the other team so now <laughs> they have to shift all focus on you there are different abilities for the different exosuits that you have in the game and so there's you know a heavy exosuit that has on like a grenade launcher and stuff or you have like another exosuit that is melee focused with a sword and um you have all these different cool abilities to, to them and it is ridiculous over the top and a a surprising amount of fun i left that preview being like wow i think i enjoyed this more than i enjoyed street fighter at this preview part of that was because they made me play a lot of world tour and i just i world tour just didn't click with me but another part of that is i think extra primal has the stuff i think that game is actually pretty dope um and that's not even to mention the narrative stuff which you know that's not going to be the main event of exo primal but from what i did see the visuals and character models and designs remind me a lot of metal gear um just like there's a character that kind of reminds me of an um um god i want to call him octagon bear what's his actual Otacon. thank you mike always called him octagon i know mike fucked up my brain because now i can't call him i can't not call him octagon. <laughs> reminded me of Otacon a little bit like it has that sort of presentation in the narrative he's but like then, really weirdly into his sister it, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. there's a whole there's a, there's a story to back that up you know yeah yeah you know what are you gonna do when you're octagon was there, was there a story <laughs> what are you gonna do when you're octagon it was ai the ais did it all right barrett you can't blame Nano machines you can't blame Nano them machines. Nano machines um but yeah like and it, the story also seems somewhat self-aware in a very fun um fun way and so yeah exoprimal legitimately that of the multiplayer games that are coming out for the rest of the year is high up there for my oh anticipated. yeah all right um i forgot offhand but can you do the um or maybe actually i probably never knew because all i knew about this was like you're shooting dinosaurs and i was like sign me up like <laughs> you know but to hear that it genuinely is good uh is really exciting to hear but for the campaign like the story stuff can you run that co-op also or like no do so you know? I'm not entirely sure the exact setup of it, but the way I understand it to be is that you are progressing the campaign by doing these multiplayer missions, like these multiplayer matches. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's not really a sing it's not a single player campaign. So it's like game. Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed kind of thing, where you go do the. And I'm not making a joke. You, <laughs> you, you get the cutscene or story or whatever. You go play a bit. You come back. Like, yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Uh, mine shocks no one. I'm sure. Hell Divers too. <laughs> yeah. Come on, mm. I've been waiting forever for another Helldivers. I'm, I, I would put Helldivers, uh, we talked about it last week, I think, or the week before. I would put it also into the hopeful category, but it is my multiplayer pick. It is a multiplayer game I'm guaranteed to play when it drops sometime this year. Uh, I can't wait. You know, I had so much fun with Helldivers 1. Yes, it was hard. That was part of the uh, enjoying it was getting your teeth kicked in. I'm excited to do that on PlayStation 5. I'm excited for the new uh, perspective and, like, you know, obviously the more HD art of it all. Uh, I hope it doesn't lose that charm that it had. That'd be my one thing. I do think the trailer that you're watching here, if you're watching or if you just remember it from the PlayStation Showcase, did seem a bit generic, I felt. I didn't feel like the, you know... Helldivers cuteness was really bleeding through in terms of what they were doing and how they did before of getting crushed by your own pods and yada 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 but again it's the debut thing they're using a lot of different camera angles trying to show you a lot of different stuff I'm hoping when we get whenever we get from Arrowhead or from PlayStation when we get gameplay it'll be like okay cool no this is Helldivers this still very much looks like and plays like what I want it to play like but I'm stoked I'm interested I, I, I'm excited to play it Hell yeah. Janet, round us out. This is your the 15th game, the final game enshrined in our list. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Oh. One to two people is barely a multiplayer game. And I think it's online only for the multiplayer, which I still kind of wish they had a local option. I love local co-op. But um, yeah, Hot Wheels Unleashed 
you know, Blessing, funnily enough, touched on this at the beginning, or like towards the beginning of the episode of Hot Wheels Unleashed, the first one, kind of being like a sleeper hit where a lot of us heard about it and we're like, I mean, is it going to be good? And then it kind of was, but also yeah. I think it had a lot of room for growth. Um, for me, like playing a bit of Hot Wheels Unleashed, the look and the feel of it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I mainly took issue with the difficulty scaling like i felt like the normal mode was a little too hard but the easy was a little too easy where it kind of lost like that edge um i'm like i need a like a schmedia mode right like something a little bit in between so whether they have like additional options or it's just balanced a little bit differently i could see myself really getting into this um i know they had a couple issues too with was it like sort of how they presented like the dlc and woven in with the like like the paid stuff versus the stuff you paid for. I know some people took issue with like, oh, I paid this much, but then there's still extra stuff to buy. You know, I, I think there was a bit of room for growth in that. Like a, a lot of the Hot Wheels Unleashed 1 recommendations did have to come with a couple caveats to them, I feel like. And I'm hoping Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 will sort of do away with some of those aspects and really just be a, be a better version of the first one. I also feel like this is coming pretty quick off the first one. Like I when agree, was yeah. The first one. yeah. Time kind of melds together though. And then the pandemic and like, I don't know what time is sure. anymore. But it feels pretty um, quick afterwards. But I'm like, yeah, sure, they're supporting this. It could be, it could end up being like a really neat franchise. Um, so yeah, this October or is it this October? Yeah, this October. Yeah. Um, Hot Wheels Unleashed Two. What if I told you that I got to play Hot Wheels Unleashed Two at Summer Game Fest and I can talk Damn. about it? Damn. I can You're talk just about playing it. All, as, all the fucking scoops, man. Yeah, go for it. As of two days ago, I, I can talk about it. Um, nice. And I thought it was helpful because they hit me up and they're like, hey. Yeah, I know. I literally looked at my email. Are they going to talk about the game? And I was like, I don't even remember. What you should have. This is a long out embargo. You should have given us a closer I hate when they have those, like, oh, remember this for, especially when you do a podcast. Like, at least when you write an article, like, you just schedule it yeah, for right. later. But I'm like, oh, remember this thing from eight weeks ago? But go ahead. How was it? Oh, it was cool. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was there's now more variety of the types of vehicles where there's a motorcycle now that you can drive with, and it was fun to mess around with the, um, with different options there. There's a lot more customization. There's like there's like a, a skill tree system that you can go in and, and actually customize and switch up how things control, how things uh, uh, play there. There's like a shift mechanic now where if you press a button, you can kind of shift left and right, and it feels like they're trying to play up the mobility of it as well. Um, reminds me again of something like Rocket League and how those cars control. And from what we got out of playing Hot Wheels Unleashed 1, so many of those tracks are just straight up obstacle courses. And so I love having more mobility options there to like let you... Um, you know, create different ways for people to solve different obstacles and hop over to a different platform that, that they're trying to get uh, get to. So I like that stuff as well. Um, and then one of the things that I, I really enjoyed that I don't know was in the last one, but like there was a there was a mode that was just an open track where you are just hitting hitting different checkpoints in like by taking any route in in, in an order set and like it was just like a big a big old area that you that you're driving around. I'm like I again. It's like I played that game at launch, and so I don't know what they added sure. after in the yeah, first yeah, one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that was something that I played, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty neat." Like, it's a different way to to, to play this game. So I, I, like that I played that game a lot. I don't really remember what you're describing. Yeah. So, when, so it, the pandemic flattens everything. I remember us doing streams of this and having a great time. How? When did this? When did the first one come out? It must have been 2021. Yeah, that's my guess. I'm gonna Kay. look it up. Yeah. One of the things I still have questions yeah, on too is. For this one, they talked about having a story um, with, like, characters and stuff. Oh, interesting. And I didn't see any That's of that cool. in the preview. Like, none of that stuff was there. But it's the thing that I have the biggest, the most questions about. I hope it's just a kid. 
Like, yeah. you know, the, the story yeah, is the kid of... playing with the cars and putting them down or whatever. I mean, yeah, like, the first one had, like, a solo campaign, but it, there yeah, like wasn't really map. any, like, story or anything. It was just, like, you, you had a bunch of different races to go do. So if they're adding some, like, cute filler in between... Yeah, essential structure like that's cool. What, what I mean, that? here in the on the website they say in a new story-driven campaign mode, you'll race alongside a team of original characters on an epic adventure to save the city from destruction. Does that mean <laughs> like huh. for what? Maybe it's, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Go for it. I think okay. So you're like a little, you're a little like racing person, and you're in the Hot Wheels and. Saving the city from destruction is maybe like showing how fun the tracks are when like someone's packing up, like it's like a, like a parent or a kid's like packing oh. the stuff away, and it's That's like no, fun. it's still fun to like play with your Hot Wheels. Um, what I would love from Hot Wheels, like the world of Hot Wheels Unleashed, would be if they did a crossover with Lego because for me as a kid, like I well, was a big Hot Wheels fan growing up. Uh, my brother had a bunch of them. He had like the little cases with like the cars, and we had like all these different Hot Wheels. Like, he had, like, the, like, Sammy Sosa's car as a Hot Wheel and stuff like that. And we used to um, put little Lego people on him, and we'd get a rubber band as a seatbelt and put him nice. in there. And actually, I saw one of the cars. Boom. The shelf's back, baby. I got <laughs> This is actually the car that, well, this, and this is, don't at me, it's not a Hot Wheel. You know, we were like, you know, I'm fast as what Hot Wheels are, right? We had real Hot Wheels and then this thing. Um, maybe this is a Hot Wheel. I don't know what this is. This is a little blue car. And we would drive around with this, and it's, like, all broken and busted. And one time we threw it into the wall, and it put, like, two little dents there. Oh, no. But anyway, we d- we had, like, the Lego people in there, and we, like, named little teams. And, like, I had the team of Lego people, and I named them the Lego Islanders. And my brother had Emetology Racing Company, and it was, like, you know those erasers that are little, like, characters? It's, like, oh, he's a tiny oh, he's snowman. A pig? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He, he had, like, a few of those. Or he had, like, a, two erasers that were snowmen, or at least one of them. And then he had, like, a little elephant named Emmett, and that's why it's Emmetology. He ran the racing company, and we would, like, do these races. So, anyway, that's not going to happen in their game, because they don't have the license to use Lego people. But um, anything that plays on, I think, the toy aspect and, like, what a kid would do would be cool for the story. But, yeah. So, let, let me write Hot Wheels Unleashed 3. We got the, all the material we need. Crushed it. Yeah. Lego people and rubber bands. You got a story. Mm-hmm. My, my thing with the story, too, is like, because you mentioned like characters, whatever. The, the, I don't think there's people in the cars, right? Because it's just the Hot Wheels like, cars. Like, canonically Hot Wheels? Like, no, but there'd have to be. Or like, like, I in guess... the, like in Hot Wheels Unleashed 1, when we're racing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if you like turn the camera, there's nobody sitting in those cars. Like when you're playing as a motorcycle, no, it's just no, a I motorcycle. Like... Why it's the kid? I like the kid. The kid <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe it's the kid. That's kind of neat. I like the, that. The kid racing against like neighbors or something. There you go. But then how are you saving the world is the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to give you, P.S. I love you, XOXO's 15 most anticipated PS5 games for the rest of 2023. The list goes Thirsty Suitors, The Plucky Squire, Cocoon, Spider-Man 2, Stellar Blade, Viewfinder, Alan Wake 2, Lies of P, Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals, Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord, Wildcard Football, Goodbye Volcano High, Helldivers 2, Exoprimal, and Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Barrett is making 15 trophies as we speak to send to those developers. They're done. Oh, they're done already. Wow. Blessing. Yep. What happened this week in PlayStation? Uh, we just got the PlayStation Plus Essentials for the next month. Uh, we're getting 
Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, Alan Wake Remastered, and Endling Extinction is Forever. Greg, are you finally going to play it, Alan Wake Remastered? Uh, finally. Am I going to try for the fourth time or whatever to mm. do Alan Wake? No. There's too much happening right now. There are too many games stacked up. I'll just jump into Alan Wake 2 and be fine. My, my main thing I want to do is try to do the uh, AWE expansion from, uh, or AWE from Control, the DLC that came out. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to yeah, get, yeah. try to set aside time to do that, but I think my Control save, what was it? You, you, that was one that you came over and you got the trophy just for turning? No. No, I don't think it did. I, don't, I think I got to maybe do it all again on PS5. Because isn't that a different skew? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right? what they did, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not a remaster. It was just the PS5 version. Was it not control. called the control, uh, control remastered? I thought that was a whole thing. I said control remastered. Because remember, like people were mad that you well, could really get it automatically. Control PS5. Well, I remember they, get, they didn't call it remaster though, did they? I mean, I ultimate edition. Ultimate control edition. ultimate edition. That's what it is. You're right. All right, fine. So no, anyway. Be in the middle. Uh, Jan, are you gonna play Endling Extinction is forever? Um, I don't. Th- what what is that? <laughs> I'll be honest. I might. You know. Like, okay. Here's so, the thing. Because but... I I'm pretty sure I've heard of this game. And I'm going to try to recount it from memory. And oh, Barrett, uh, okay. So here's the thing. Okay. Wait, no, go ahead. Do your recount because I want to hear your recount. I have I, what the game What I is. think it is, <laughs> unless I just have this mistaken for something else, it's a 2D game where there's animals, but it's like very highly stylized and there's like a little little white fox that's like really bright and you're, let, let's say there is, it's a snowy area you're playing. You're in. thinking of that other game. So here's, okay. Damn it. I've been holding on to this for like a long time and I've discussed it privately. I think it's my first time talking about this on content. And I'm not saying this game is bad because I don't know what this game is. Ending, Endling Extinction is forever. And I'm also not sure, like, is that a new game? Is that like a continuation? Is it like mm-hmm. the console edition? Of, I'm pretty sure know. it's old. But here's the thing I'm tired of y'all. We got enough Fox games. These little, that little Fox run left to right. We got enough. Wait. Okay. I'm getting low to, shop, low to high on the eShop all day, every day. And I've seen like eight different ones. And I'll be honest, a lot of them don't hit. I hate to say it. Oh, no. I accidentally muted Janet. Oh, no. Oh, get out of here, Barrett. Oh, no. Is Barrett a you like pro Fox, Fox agenda? <laughs> I didn't know Barrett was a Fox guy. Oh, they're cute. What the fuck? Are what? Why do we have to constantly pick battles against things that are just out here existing? Here's Barrett loves Tunic. Barrett loves the Fox and Ghost of Tsushima. And Barrett loves Fox News. Oh, you heard right. it here first. All right. You heard it here uh, first. <laughs> um, tunic, I don't have a problem with Tunic because it's, it's, it's a game with a Fox, but it's not a Fox game. Okay, no, no, we can't do that. No, if you're hitting loadout high on the eShop, you know exactly what makes a fox in the fox game then. Because it's like it's like you play as the fox, but the fox is very like an, animal style. Like, like it's tunic just doing is like an anthropomorphic blessing, not solving puzzles like cool foxes. Tunic is more anthropomorphic, so that's why he like gets he's like fine. You know, he's got his own problems. He's got his own separate problems. But yeah, you're thinking because like blessing. I know what game you're thinking of, and I can't fucking no, remember. No, I think, but no, I think I'm complaining two things because I was really close with Endling Extinction is forever. I think the things that I got off was like it being a white fox. It's not a white fox. Yeah, um, but there is a game that has a white glowing fox. Oh, never, what was your problem with a white fox? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was thinking of Never Alone. No, 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 no. That's a different game. That's a game with like an arc, like a, a girl in Alaska, Are you and of she has. Blanc? She also has a fox. She also like, says she has a fox. Solid, but is that and a fox you game? Play as her. That one's not a fox game. That's like a that's like a companion game. Uh, Means is a chance saying Blanc. It's not Blanc. Blanc is totally black and white. So I don't think he's thinking of Blanc. Well, no, I, I said I said black and white before though. Oh, was it? So yeah, is it Blanc? Like so it might have been that, that was like the game drawing? that Tim reviewed like earlier. In the you're year. right. There are too many fox games actually. Now that we're listing these things out, 
Well, because here's the thing, because a lot of them don't hit in Blanc, you know, and Needs, I don't know if you played Blanc. I haven't gotten around to Blanc yet. I have it. I just haven't gotten around to it. That did not hit. Spirit of the North. That's exactly, that's what I think Blessing is thinking of. Spirit and of that game North. is not good. I'm sorry to say it. Spirit of the North did not hit. Isaiah downloaded it, and I was like, two seconds in, it was just dead in the water. And then I played another one at PAX that also wasn't good. And I'm like, this looks like Spirit of the North. And it played like Spirit of the North, and Spirit of the North wasn't good, and that game wasn't good. Uh, and like, and I knew that game was good, wasn't good immediately, and I was just sitting there. <laughs> it was it was no three hours of extra promo, which turned out to be good. But it was, yeah, it's a whole thing. I think I combined yeah. all the Fox games into one game, because, yeah, I'm looking at Spirit all, of the North. Because okay, I think I was thinking of the black the and white same. of Blanc, but like the snowy area of Spirit of the North, but then also the art style of ending extinctions forever i was just molding them all into one so many of them like just don't end up hitting you know like i think it's time to just like i, it's not, I don't know it's not nothing else. anyway am i gonna play this honestly maybe <laughs> maybe because here's the thing and that's the thing like i know when this shit doesn't hit because i'm in it every day all day every day like it's like me with these narrative games like i'm not trying to be rude like i like the genre but a lot of these things are not coming to fruition so I, I got bad vibes from Endling. Maybe I'll check it out just so I can report back and let you know if I've, this is like a four fox game or a two fox game or whatever the fox it is, you know. Three or four out of know. five foxes. What I appreciate yeah. appreciate about you, Janet, is that when you answer a question, you answer the fuck out of that question. Because I was expecting a no, and that's it. Well, moving on. It like triggered a lot of memories for me. Because I've been buying these games left and right. That turned into a whole, a whole exploration on what is a fox game. Look, exactly. If you're, again, if you're hitting load of, sh- load of hat on the eShop, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Okay, I know this Blazer podcast. That's it's. It, I'm out there in the fucking Fox community, and I'm telling you a lot of these games do not hit. Maybe Endling will be different. I don't know. Now it's time for PlayStation Picks, where we talk about what's come out this week and what yeah, we I picked swear to play God, on PlayStation. There's a fucking Fox game that came out this week. What came out this week? Destroy All Humans 2, Reprobed, Single Player for PS4, Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life for PS5, AEW Fight Forever for PS5 and PS4, Dead Cells for PS5, Ghost Trick Fan Detective for PS4, and then Goodbye World for PS4 and PS5. Greg, what'd you pick to play on PlayStation? Uh, of course, I reviewed AEW Fight Forever. You can go get that as a Kind of Funny Games cast review right now on podcast services and YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. But yesterday, knowing that PSI Love You was upon us, mm-hmm. I said, you know what I should do? First off, just double check. Just double check the old the embargo. The old embargo. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's one of those things you put on the schedule and you forget about it. You're like, I should double check that. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday knowing we were having this show today and that the embargo would be lifted i played synapse i, oh I dusted okay. off the psvr2 i tossed on the headset and i played synapse of course this is one people have been looking forward to that playstation has been putting into its things uh it's from end dreams i'm sure barrett will have a thing up here in a second um it is the roguelike right so the idea here is this is the game oh, actually i, I really, ideas, I really want to play this one this is the one where Jennifer Hale and David Hayter are here giving you the voices. It is a little bit of Inception. It's sci-fi. Hmm. You are going into David Hayter's mind, right, to try to get the information you need to stop a terrorist attack. And so as you see, this is the, pretty much the opening of the game. You come in here, you put your hand down, and you're into his world as you go through and try to do this. Uh, as you go in and kill all the mind guardian palace people, whatever you want to call them, you know, you're earning uh, currency or you're, you're getting all this different stuff. There's uh, objectives for you to do that when you come out, you can 
can augment your run, obviously, of, okay, cool, I'm going to get this or do that. And I put, you know, a machine gun or a shotgun into the, the store that's inside of the level, right? Because like a roguelike, you always start with your pistol, you go through and kill these people, and then you go through and be able to unlock stuff. You What you always start with, though, is a pistol and telekinesis, as you see here in the trailer. You need to throw people around and do stuff with it. Um, <clears throat> the trailers have always looked good. Uh, bonkers to a degree playing it it is the first time in a long time i got kind of car sick uh playing, really? got motion sick playing a vr game i'm i'm not prone to vr motion sick but i was uh playing yesterday and did stop at one point where i was like i could keep going but i finished my run and i was done there uh my thought process on it and i know that i sound like a broker record and i'm sad about that it is for me still the dave and busters experience where it was like cool it was it was enjoyable I don't love the pistol, which of course is your starting weapon. I just don't feel like it, it, it handles the way I want a pistol to handle. And there's so many, again, this is fucking VR. How many games have we wielded a pistol in that, and it feels really great. I didn't get that vibe here. I did feel better with the Uzi. Um, but all that is said, it's, it, it didn't, it was fun. I enjoyed playing it. I think if I hadn't gotten sick, I would have played it longer, but I don't think it's something that I would be aching to return to uh, as you ran through and saw a bunch of cool stuff. Like, I'm sure there will be more diversity in terms of types of enemies, but they all are these guys with these white masks on their face coming at you or whatever, shooting around at you. Uh, they, you know, by, as I went deeper into mine, you went from just having guys who shot back at you to then having these guys that would run up and explode on you. But even looking through a trailer there showing what you got, you don't see a giant discrepancy in different types of enemies or a variety, right? And so... It's a weird one. Of It's got a bunch of cool ideas. If you are a VR person, if you have PlayStation VR 2, it's probably going to be something you want to try, you want to get in there and go for. Uh, but for me, like, it didn't blow my hair back, sadly. I do think it does a lot right. The, you know, it, it, the telekinesis is cool. Uh, I think I, need, I would need more time and not getting sick to get better at it because it is this idea that you can pick stuff up and move it. Certain things there you can crush. So you can like get the barrels that you could either shoot to blow up and grab them and move them and crush them to blow up parts of the wall to or take out enemies or drop stuff on them. Um, I thought it was, you know, I, I I was doing better when I was just running and attacking people, like kind of like staying in motion. You can take cover, but I kind of found that clunky. It wasn't the normal cover mechanics you've seen before. Overall, it's another one that I think is interesting to play and get into, but it's not like a must play for me personally, but it might be for you if you're a, a person who is aching for more PlayStation VR 2 content and thinks it looks great off of that. It also has this really cool idea of, you know, you have telekinesis on your left hand, but if you turn over palm up, it basically puts like an echo puck in your hand that shows you a radar and then has your health on it and the number of enemies remaining oh, at the cool. level. But it is that thing too of just like, you know, when you flip it over and it's like, you have 27 people left in this level. Okay, okay, well, mm. shoot, shoot. They keep respawning. Like, how many more? Okay, whatever. Are you stuck with a pistol for a while? Because that's the thing for me with roguelike games where I think the better ones give you something new and pretty soon into your run, right? Because, like, the base weapon is always whatever the most basic thing is. Yeah. Let's put something in their hand within the first two minutes of playing so that they feel like they're already on the track of upgrading. It's your second run. When you come out of that first run, I think you have... I, I want... I'm probably speaking a little out of turn, but how I played, I had enough currency to then go to the upgrade. There's, like, two different things over there. There's, like... There's this thing that are challenges. So it's like, you know, drop a box on 10 people's head and kill them that way, which will give you a skill point. Then you can take those skill points or whatever and come to the thing and buy into okay i want to make sure that there's always a, a or there could be a machine gun at the weapon altars mm. and the weapon altars are plentiful in each area like not plentiful i guess they're there but they're not like hidden hidden like i i never felt like i played I'm like oh, i finished this level and i never saw an altar like you always see them along the way 
uh, for me regarding PlayStation picks. Speaking of roguelites, I've been back addicted to Inscription. Um, so much so that you know, I played the game originally on PC, uh, beat it on Steam Deck. I almost bought it again on PlayStation Five mm. <laughs> for the trophies, mm. uh, in particular, because I like I looked at it and I was like, I could do a full playthrough again because I just love playing this game. Like once you beat it, you then unlock a mode that is purely just the roguelite card game and you're going through and you're trying to see like what different challenges you can make for yourself and so it's okay here i'm going to start off with one less point to start off around right or if i turn this thing on then i don't get to do re-rolls when it comes to picking a random card and stuff like that but if you're somehow you know if you somehow miss inscription really fun uh roguelite card game that also has this fun escape room sort of uh gameplay to it in the game evolves and has twists and turns and stuff that really blew my mind uh my first way through it's on playstation um but man i've just been back addicted to it and I, it's been such a reminder of how good the the, the pure gameplay loop is yeah. of the card game and it's been fun because one of the reasons why i picked it back up again i've been talking with my friend sarah for really like the last half year right but like uh especially recently about you know wanting to maybe make a card game because like she's Hell an artist yeah. i've yes. been into card games and like i mean forever right but i think especially within the last couple of years and uh i've been like going through the list of card games i really really like and so inscription was one that was on the list picked it up and immediately was like man this might be one of my favorite games ever. Like it is that's awesome. Not it is like nonstop fun, right? I never get bored of playing it. It becomes a problem because I can just be in bed playing it on my Steam Deck and just not want to stop. I just want to keep going. But um yeah, I've been back addicted to that. And then also I've been addicted to Street Fighter Six um as, as well. One does. As yeah. One does. Yeah. And so I've been doing the ranks on that. I've gotten my Luke, who's my main character, up to uh, gold rank, which is nice because like, you know, relatively, I'd say that's probably about middle maybe upper middle, I don't know, but um, because Final Fantasy 16 has taken over such um, so much in my June, I felt like I've been running behind and not been able to focus on rank whatsoever, and so it's been nice to finally get back and then focus in on, all right, let's try and rank up this character as much as I can, uh, and so when I hit gold, it felt like an achievement, and so now I'm like, cool, now it's on to the next one. Let's see if I can get to diamond, um, and then also get my Kimberly up in gold as well, and so it's been fun to do that. That game continues to be fun. Um, there was a little bit there where the servers were taking a hit. I don't know why, but it seems like they fixed it, okay. which is good news for me. But yeah, dude, uh, Street Fighter Six continues to be a very fun time. Radical. Heights. Janet, you've had no time to play anything because you've been moving, correct? No, I've still got nothing. Uh, next week, though, for sure, for sure. It's still yeah, for sure. Right. I'm going to have something. Um, really quick, though, I did want to ask Blessing a mm. question. Um, so I played Inscription when it came out, and I liked it, but I felt like I wasn't good enough at it. And admittedly... I kind of gave up sort of early. Like, I didn't really try that hard. I was kind of like, I'm not making it, whatever. And I just kind of bounced off. Um, I like, like, I've gotten more used to, you know, I guess thinky games in the sense that I've started playing, like, board games and card games and getting more used to, like, learning rules there and make, coming up with strategies and all that, like, you know, real-life board games and card games. What would you say are good entry point games to, like, the card game video game genre mm. is inscription a good entry point because the only card game that's a video game that i've enjoyed at all was um signs of the sojourner which i might be butchering the pronunciation a little bit but that's like no offense to that game it's kind of barely a card game like it, I, I mean it is a card game but it, like the cards are not like they're just symbols like they're very simple and that's the only one i've liked and enjoyed so like what would you say is a good yeah. entry because that's not really like as deep strategy no offense to it it's I, a great game but yeah, yeah I'll, I, I'll give three suggestions 
sure. Inscription is one of the suggestions. I was with you the, my first time when I played Inscription because I played it that fall that it came out, and I only played about a few hours, and I fell off of it, I think for the same exact reason. But then I went back to it, and I think it's the fact that Inscription is so much more than just the card game that brought me in because it is an escape room. It is you, like, or, yeah, like, it is you sure. looking around the room, figuring out how to solve these puzzles, and there's so much there to the narrative and the other gameplay elements that you know, I think there's so much there to enjoy, even if you're not just a card game person and then naturally just get addicted to the card game. Um, so yeah, Inscription would be there. I would say you should go back to it. Slay the Spire, I'd also say, um, is is one that's up there. That is one that was free on PS Plus, Although I don't, I don't know if you if you would have um, acquired it on PS Plus, Ooh, just knowing who question. you are. I'll let you know. So you I'll might have it. <laughs> you might have it. You might not have it. But that Slay the Spire is probably the roguelike card game that I hear most people talk about as like this is the one um the year that came out like people there are so many people i knew that were hailing that as one of their games of the year that year um super approachable um and like I, the thing that these games have in common is there's so much about deck building as well for each of the runs which that is half the fun you know build ma trying to figure out which cards play well together forming a strategy that feels like your own uh yeah like i think slay the spire and inscription are, are fun for that and then another one i'll recommend is monster train i've not played as much monster train but uh one of my friends recommended it to me and from the little bit i played has a lot in common with slay the spire just but with like a different slant for the gameplay where you are like you are basically on these trains you're taking out multiple or you're fighting against like these rounds of enemies that are coming in on like multiple floors and so it's almost like strategy and management and a card game at the same time um which is pretty fun and from what i played of that one run it was it seemed very approachable like i already got what was going on um through my first run and so those would be the three but i would say even start with either slay the spire and inscription and then maybe move on to monster train thanks oh and then marvel snap madognik 96 says in chat that's a good one it was a good one but it's not a PlayStation. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your PlayStation podcast. Yes, I love you. XO, XO. And their problem. Thank you for consuming, watching, hanging out, listening, viewing, subscribing, liking, sharing, leaving a review, leaving stars on Spotify, and everything else you do for us. Please consider going to patreon.com slash kind of funny. Of course, just a couple bucks keeps the mics and lights on and gets you a bunch of exclusive cool content and stuff. For now, though, we bid you adieu. We'll be back next week with more PlayStation news you need to know about. But until then... It's been our pleasure to serve you.